welcome to the Goalie Hacks podcast, the show dedicated to providing elite tips, hacks, and strategies to take your game to the next level, where we help you become an elite goaltender, one hack at a time. And now, here's your host, Mike Santaguida. Bang, bang. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the show. And I'm your host, Mike Santaguida, and onward we go into year two here, the start of week 53. And uh, I just want to give a little shout out to some of our major countries that have been listening to the podcast this past year. We have the U.S. of A. coming in first with 46% of the downloads this year. Canada coming in second with 37% of the downloads. Sweden coming in hot at number three with 776 downloads under 5%. Germany number four with 714 downloads. Uh, under 3%, and then the UK, the United Kingdom coming in at number 5 with 603 downloads and 2% of the downloads. So shout out to the USA, Canada, Sweden, Germany, and the UK. Appreciate you guys tuning in. And I just want to give a little recognition to the countries with the most downloads in the world. Although, I know there are a lot of you out there that that listen that that aren't listed. I see people in Asia. I see people in um you know, in, in Australia, New Zealand and stuff. So I, I'll be giving you guys a, a shout out soon in the next few weeks. I'll be going through the annual podcast data and giving, uh, you know, some people, some cities, some shout outs. So, um, but on the show this week, I'm joined by an incredible guest, Michael Lawrence and current director of goaltending for the HC Lugano in the Swiss National League, which is, um, you know, arguably one of the best programs to play at in all of Europe. But Michael has just had an opportunity to coach at the highest levels of hockey for his entire coaching career, including a gold medal IHF championship with Team Canada in the Spengler Cup. We dive into, uh, into so much nitty gritty stuff today as the conversation goes on. Uh, you know, Coach Lawrence uh, dives into his coaching philosophy and how he articulates to other goalies. What exactly separates the best goalies from the great? And we dive deep into, you know, a lot of his goalie hacks and, and terminology that he started to develop and, and kind of work into his philosophy. So, you know, this episode is just filled with with tons of goodies. And Michael is an amazing guy. And I know you guys are going to love today's show. So make sure to stick around uh, all the way through to hear all the action. And shout out to our monthly NTX League winners for this month. And our highest score award being named to Aiden Spooner with a 3.71 and Aiden has absolutely been flying and crushing it lately. Congrats, Aiden. Well-deserved, buddy. And our most improved award goes to Evan Hone again, improving about uh, 45% this month. So congrats, Evan. And he just posted a, a lights-out score for the month, of, uh, the month of March as well. So that's going to be hard to beat. Uh, so looking forward to seeing if he can get back on the, the board for next month. And lastly, our new award, the, uh, the winner of the most consistent award for the month goes to Jacob Snellenberg, and he's already been a standout already in our group. And Jacob has little to no volatility in his run scores during the month of February. So congrats to Jacob. And once again, congrats to all our winners. And of course, great work to everyone else in the group. I, you know, I think there's there's a lot of people that, that put in hard work to get on the leaderboards and kind of keep up with their training that don't necessarily get the recognition week after week. And I just want to let all you guys know that, that uh, you know, it's a tight race every month and that hard work doesn't go unnoticed. So guys, just keep working, keep doing your thing. Let's keep competing. Let's have fun with it, right? Um, but if you're interested in training and competing with uh, like-minded individuals and also elevating your game with as little as, as 10 minutes every th- every few days, you know, that can give you an enormous edge on the ice. Well, the NeuroTracker is the most scientifically proven brain, uh, neurobrain training tool in high-performance sports with 65-plus 
clinical case study. So if you're looking to elevate your game and get an edge uh, ASAP, then just head to the link in the show description for info on how to get started today as well as more details about the product. Or feel free to, you know, reach out to me directly, um, you know, to, to get more details. But without further ado, let's jump into this week's conversation. I know you're going to love the chat, Michael and I had today. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of the Goalie Hacks podcast. And today on the show, I have another amazing guest and the goaltending coach for HC Lugano in the Swiss National League and also the founder and owner of Pro Goaltending based out of Ontario, Michael Lawrence. And over his 15-plus year career coaching at the highest levels of hockey, Coach Lawrence has had an opportunity to work with Team Canada on several occasions, winning two Spengler Cups with the team in IAHF competition, as well as several other top organizations around the globe, including several teams in the OHL in Ontario, the KHL in Russia, the ECHL in North America, and in recent memory, the Swiss National League in Switzerland. And he believes in understanding each individual's needs and tries to develop a learning plan to ensure success both on and off the ice for all of his goaltenders. And I'm excited to dive into his philosophy and his work today. And uh, super pumped to have him. Coach Lawrence, how you doing? Thanks for coming on the show, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, my pleasure. Well, great to connect, uh, get going on a call here. Excited we could finally connect. I know you're, we're in uh, different time zones, but, uh, you know, wanted to get you on the show for a while. And, and I've seen uh, some of your work on social media and, and love your stuff. Just want to dive in uh, all your material today. But um, I know you're still over in Switzerland right now with uh, with your pro team there. And, and we kind of discussed how things have gone. But maybe you can kind of just detail to everybody how things been going during COVID with your goalies and uh, and your team as well. No, we're we're very fortunate because we we are now game 39 in this season. And, you know, it, it's it's a 52 game schedule. So we've been, we've been very lucky in that sense. There's, there's been, you know, stops and starts kind of the same thing that the NHL is, is experiencing. I'm sure they, they learned a lot from our league, watching our league and, and kind of seeing the, you know, the, the good that we did and, and the mistakes in which we made. But, you know, when it comes to the way, you know, where our, our season is gone, we're, we're very fortunate. And, and it's, uh, it's been different as a coach because you, you have to gauge certain things as well. You know, guys coming back from, from illness and, and all these other components, which probably you never had to deal with, but yeah, um, everybody's just learn, learning as you go. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think uh, pretty cool that you guys have been able to, to, you know, more or less get almost a, a full season in. Um, but uh you know, I know everybody else is, is kind of just getting back on the horse, but hopefully, uh, is there anything that the league did in general that kind of helped the avoid stoppages or anything like that? I think just, you know, how, how they've handled, you know, allowing guys to understand, you know, the way you can track this, this virus and, and also, um, you know, little things of, of travel, you know, like example, last night we did a, the last two nights actually we had a game against geneva at home you know where yeah. kind of like the nhl the same format um we did a two-game home home stand right and and you kind of you do a back-to-back you know and it's less travel that way and you know it just seems it seems easier for the clubs so in that sense that's not normal for our league normally we're uh you know you'll tuesday night you might have a home game Friday, you might be playing away, and then usually on the Saturday, um, you're, you're you're back home. You know what I mean? Having another game. So 
but you know the the format this year is obviously a little different and they were creative um, in that sense of where they needed to go how to ensure that yes you're, you're getting in as many games as you can yeah yeah well uh like i said great that you guys are going and i want to dive into uh you know just uh, your extensive experience the last, the last 15 years but maybe you can just start off um, you know, by briefly sharing your story and how to how we got to where we are today. Oh, big! It's a big one. Uh, well, I, I think just like anybody else who kind of came up through, you know, I'm 39 now, so it was. Uh, I don't want to sound like a dinosaur because I'm kind of very young for what I do at the level I'm at. Yes, but for sure. When I was you know, at that, at that 20 to 25 age, you know, where you're, you're trying to figure out your, what you're going to do. Uh, yeah. I, I was, I was kind of, I was kind of cursed as a, as a kid because, you know, I, I trained with Francois Allard when I was a kid and I was on the ice with him, like amazing goalies, you know, like Roberto Luongo and Eric Fichaud and, and all these guys, you know, who were in that Cojan bubble you know, and, yeah. and, uh, that realm kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But I, I was more at, at awe with Francois and, and, and I remember coming home from that first camp. I mean, I knew what I wanted to do. The only issue was I was 14 years old being a, a small, <laughs> you know, smaller size kid. You know, I, yeah. I knew right then and there that this is what I want to do. But the problem was, is, is that, you know, there was maybe, I would say maybe at the time, a handful of one handful of people who were doing it full time. And not only was I 14 and no one was going to take me seriously until I was well over 25. Right. Yeah. And that's the way, that's the way it usually goes. Um, I just really didn't know how to do that. So I think, you know, looking back through high school and, and certainly even during university, I was, you know, I just, I knew what I wanted to do, but I, I just wasn't sure of, of how to go about it. And then I started the goalie school because I wanted to pay for school or help pay for school when I was in Ottawa. And, you know, so, sooner or later, it, it kind of came to a crossroads where, you know, I, I started training Kevin Beach, uh, who right. was, you know, with the Sudbury Wolves. And then before I knew it, I had an interview with Mike Felino and I was heading up to Sudbury. So, that's kind of how things were, were started. And then, you know, there were more crossroads after where, you know, obviously I had to look at, you know, at that point, are you in or are you out? Do you want to yeah. be a lawyer or do you want to be a goalie coach? Right. So the practical, right. or do you want to, you know, and, and that was certainly, I tell this story a lot, it seems like, but you know, that was a, that was a pretty, pretty tough night at the, the Lawrence household when I told my mother that I was going to, quit law and uh yeah. become a goalie coach yeah well you know what it's uh you know you, you kind of you know it's even with with me and playing and i think everybody listening can kind of relate to that you just kind of know that you want to commit to that right um and then you just go for it you kind of know yeah. that and, and 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 i think also right when you're young obviously you're it's a it's a parent thing that the parents want to see you do well and they don't really know that life right so they're like well how can it work but you know, obviously it, it worked out great for you. Um, but I, I, sure. I want to kind of dive into, uh, you know, your, your personal coaching philosophy. 
Um, and, and what are some of the major areas you focus on with your goaltenders and why do you kind of believe in those concepts so much? With me, you know, I get to ask this question a lot. It's, it's a big piece of learning what you have and, and who the, the, the person is that you're, you're working with. And I've worked with many different guys from many different ba- backgrounds, which is my advantage as a coach, because I've, I've coached in Russia you know, I've got Eastern Bloc experience. I've coached here in Switzerland. I've coached in the in the minors in the ECHL and and all over the CHL in juniors. Uh, so you're you're going to see different kinds of, of of learning curves and and different types of learners. I think is a is a big thing. Mm-hmm. So knowing that you you really need to 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 assess the the type of learner that you have and how you're going to get the most of them and create a relationship, you know, and, and um, there's many different examples I could give you, but I think as much as I'm sure you guys want to hear the sexy stuff, which is the, you know, the, the technical aspects and, and all these other things, um, it, 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 you really have to find a way to translate that information. And in order to do that, you really have to understand what you have and who these people are and what their motives are. You know, that is a big thing in pro hockey. You know, it's, it's easy to look at juniors. Well, everybody wants to get to the NHL. Okay. But when you're a pro, you know, and you're playing in the KHL or you're playing here in Switzerland, what are your motives? You know, cause you're, you're at the top of the food chain at that point in those respected leagues. And most of those guys are making significant money. So yeah. what are your motives? How are you, re- how are you relating to those guys? You know, so I, I think, I think when you get to these levels, that's where things, definitely uh, make it make a change there's a transition you know from a from a junior coach to a pro coach yeah you know even at the ECHL it's a different thing too what are your motives a lot of these guys are making 500 500 a week and they're living at subway eating food you know what I mean <laughs> so it's a different lifestyle what are your motives you know so yeah so you know and and, and I guess uh maybe you can kind of detail a bit to how that changes from, from level to level then in terms of motives, you know, like, uh, is I, I think for everybody listening, you know, uh, we have a, a, a generally a pretty young audience. So maybe you can kind of level to level, you know, how those motives have changed for some of your guys, um, going from minor hockey to junior, junior to college or college to pro, if you don't mind giving some examples. Yeah. So you, you have guys, you know, in their early juniors, they obviously, you know, just from my experience in the OHL, their, their, their primary focus is becoming regulars in that league. And, and how do you, how do you do that? You know, and their, their dream is obviously to be drafted to the NHL at that point. You right. know, so I think the motives there are pretty self-explanatory and, and, and the guys are willing to do anything to, to get there. So mm-hmm. as a coach, you know, your philosophies are, are, you know, I think they're pretty simple because you're, mm-hmm. you have a, a target audience that is willing to do anything. Right. And, and they're putting in the time for the most case, you know, um, and that's, that's easier to manage in, in those mm-hmm. levels. When you get into certain, again, the ECHL, same thing, those guys are making, you know, not all of them are on, you know, my experience in Las Vegas, the last year of the Wranglers was exceptional because we had a guy like Helio Briz Gallup, who was, that was the year of the lockout, who Briz is there training. And, you know, that was a great experience with him. But then yeah. you've got a guy like Travis Fullerton, who just won two championships in the CIS 
And then Trav is there, and he's one of the best puck trackers I've ever seen, even to this day. And then you've got, you know, Mitchell Keefe, who had been there for a very long time, you know, three or four seasons and had success and was signed with Ottawa at a point when he left, you know, Ferris State. Uh, and he was trying to get, you know, a, a bigger contract in Europe, you know, at that time, because he had reached a point where kind of he'd seen his day in the ECHL and, and he wanted to take that next step financially for his family, which is understandable. Mm-hmm. So the motives are there, you know, and, and Travis was the opposite. Travis wanted to, you know, establish himself in the ECHL and, and without a deal, you know, and because at the time we were the only the only club I believe that wasn't affiliated with an NHL team at that level. So it, it's tough at that level if you're not protected, especially through all the other, the other uh, clubs, you know? So, mm-hmm. so here were these two guys that didn't have NHL deals and they were making, you know, 600 bucks a week or, or whatever it was, you know, and, and had deals to eat at certain restaurants and, yeah. you know, just, just banging it out. Right. So the, the motives were obviously both had different motives, but both yet were still extremely motivated. Yeah. Um, my time in Russia was, was completely different because the guy I was working with Tom Lawson, who is one of the most funniest human beings I've ever met and the most <laughs> meticulous in his craft as well. Uh, you know, he was a millionaire, you know, so, wow. you, you're, you're, well, yeah, you're making, you're making, you know, these huge contracts in Russia. You know, so oh, you're, yeah. you're dealing with million dollar babies, you know, and, and again, their motives are completely different, Right. you know, so you have to connect and you have to assess how you're going to get the best out of this player and what is going to allow them to, to want to play these systems that you're trying to implement. And, and what is that connecting piece, mm-hmm. you know, here in Switzerland, same kind of thing. It's, it's, it's different. You know, the, the league is all Swiss guys. And uh, there's some, some real talents here. Same thing. They're, you know, they make really good money. And what are their motives? You know, their motivations of, you know, okay, does this guy want to be a championship goalie? How do you, how do you, how do you allow that to, you know, to slowly get to that point for them? You know, my, my time here in Lugano was with Elvis Merzlikens, my first uh, three seasons. And, and it was easy because Elvis was different. Elvis, Elvis wanted to win in our league. You know, we came awfully close doing that in game seven. We lost one nothing in the finals. Um, wow. But the biggest vision for him on top of that was he wanted to get to the National Hockey League and he wanted to play. Yeah. So the things I was demanding, the things that were, you know, I was asking for, for excellence from his standpoint, he gave me everything he could every single day. And, and that was, you know, that, that's, an easy, that's an easy thing. Yeah. So again, what are people's motives? What are their motivations? Understanding them and understanding their their, their backgrounds and understanding them as as, as people, you know, even Elvis, you know, he comes from a pretty rough background and and, um, connecting with him. It took a long time, you know, from when I took the job in, in, well, I would say in the summer when he first came to Canada that first year and we started training, I don't think Elvis really trusted me until Christmas. You know, so there was, there was walls that you needed to, to bust down yeah. and they weren't easy fixes, you know? So again, you're, you're dealing with, you're dealing with men, you're dealing with baggage um, because they're just, they are what they are at this point mm-hmm. and to get any significant change. You really, you really got to pry and you gotta, you gotta show them that you care. Yeah. Yeah. 
So maybe you can kind of dive in. You said you're working with Elvis. Um, obviously, he's had a a pretty stellar year, or uh, you know, a pretty uh, pretty stellar uh, breakout season in the NHL, and he was named to uh, the All Rookie All Star team for the year. Um, but during your time working with him, maybe you can just kind of detail, you know, the beginning. You said it was kind of tough, um, and then maybe kind of maybe you can detail some of the breakthrough moments we had, and then how he made that change, and um, you know, kind of the transformation that he's had going from. Uh, working prior to you and then to after you now into the NHL. What do you think's changed that's allowed him to excel at the NHL level? Well, there's a lot there. So mentally there's, we'll start with the mental stuff. And then if I uh, go on too much of a, a rant, just wrote me back in. And we'll no, you're good. We got the, time. The physical, the physical stuff. Um, but the mental stuff I think was, you know, I, I was fortunate because I was in the league and I, I was, I was coaching in Ombre before I took this, this contract. Uh, and I, I was able to see him very regularly and, and, you know, you identify things, you know, okay, this, this, he's missing this, this, and this, but I didn't know him as a person. So when I got to know him as a person, you know, I really was able to see the things where, you know, he needed to improve himself the way he took information and the way he processed information. You know, he, he's a, he's a, a, a kid who just wants to eat pucks all the time. And that's great. But if there's things inside of your game, which need improvement, you have to be able to see past eating pucks all the time, Yeah. you know, and, and you have to allow some to go in, in order to take big steps. Right. And that is so hard for guys like Elvis, you know, uh, I always hear so the, com right? the comparison. Yeah, the, the the competitive comparison. You know, even Bob Hartley, you know, who who coached Elvis before I, I really got to know Elvis would would obviously give him a massive compliment, and and he would compare him to to Patrick. You know, as far as his his competitive nature, because he you know Bob coached him in in Colorado, so he he said he would often say, and this kid reminds me of somebody. And, you know, as I got to know him, those were the, those were the things you were dealing with. And, and, you know, Elvis is in, in these parts here and, and certainly now in the NHL, people are figuring it out. I mean, but here, you know, they knew it a lot sooner is, you know, he's got that rock star personality to him and, and you have to uh, keep that in check and you had to, you have to rope that in. And that was a big, that was a big thing that we really had to get beyond and, once that trust was established and formed, then he kind of really started to see, okay, this guy's got my best interests here. He's got my back yeah. and, and maybe I need to make these, these changes. So the, the actual physical changes that the, themselves were, he was always a really wide, if you look at any video from him when he was, you know, before we started working, he was extremely wide and just overreactive. You have, you have, lanes all through your body because of how how low he was and in his mind he was explosive and he was this and that but the reality is is that you're just creating lanes through your body so you're always reacting on pucks and you're always spitting out pucks unless you're making direct contact and and save selection on on things so right so we changed his feet i brought in his feet where his frame would become bigger because of it you know, and, and once he understood that and he started connecting the dots that, yeah, there's a reason why God gave me this six three six four frame, 
that's when his game really started to to connect and he was starting to make frame saves as opposed to making that heroic you know glove save or blocker save or you know split save you know if you look at video of him back in the day you'd see these crazy crazy athletic split saves and right. and and that was great but you know because that's the compete that you 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 really can't you can give certain elements to guys, but at the end of the day, they, they got to want this. They, they yeah. need to want this to be better goalies and, and uh, to, to want to win, you know, and, and he always had that will. So it was, it was more of you're, you're almost going backwards and you're, and you're giving these foundations for him to find success. So that was, that was a lot of what we did. Yeah, yeah, and I liked how you said, uh, you know, something that you said is being able to, to let pucks in to – you know, find change and kind of a, what we would a cliche is like embrace the process. But this is something that I, you know, try to detail the guys on the ice too. that like, hey, you know, we want to compete. We want to go out there and, and stop every puck. But we also want to be in practice building new subconscious habits. Right. Which is kind of why sometimes we just have to let pucks go in because we want to we want to feel this right here. We want to know this is where we want it. We want to get used to feeling it here and then moving away from that spot. And uh, I had Matt Smith on the podcast a long time ago. And he said, you know, when you, when you're kind of stepping on one ditch as you're stepping on that for longer and longer periods of time, it's harder to get out of that. Right. Um, and I thought that was just a mm -hmm. really good analogy for, for, you know, breaking habits and, and it taking time and it not being comfortable. So maybe you can just kind of detail why, why we need to be process oriented with, and, and have that kind of uh, that mental mindset when we're going on the ice, um, you know, we're trying to, uh, change things, implement new technique and, and uh, make fixes. So that way, when we get to the ice, we don't have to think about it, it becomes subconscious, right? So we, you know, well, I'll just stay this to that scene because I think it's easier for guys to understand. We would have these Tuesday, Tuesday with Mike chats, you know, or for almost like Tuesday with Maury kind of, kind of concept, you know, <laughs> um, and we would go for coffee away from the rink because, <clears throat> you know, he's a very proud guy. And, you know, I think he, at first he had difficulties, you know, bring, bringing, you know, <clears throat> concepts like that to him at the rink. And he had to see it in a non-threatening sense of, you know, what these things were and what, what they were as, as being the goal. That, that they represented. And so we would have these, these talks away from the rink about just like, kind of like life, you know, and, yeah. and how he was <clears throat> perceiving his life and, and et cetera, and what he was putting into that. So we would, we would do that, but the big pieces from the technical standpoint, which really slowed things down were, you know, to where you were alluding to was we would do video, you know, and, and the, the guys that work with me, you know, certainly Nick and Sandro with, with, with Lugano here, they, you know, we, we do a lot of work before we go on the ice. And that way you, you're seeing certain pieces immediately. And that way there's, there's a certain technical standpoint that you're looking at and that you're, you're diving into with, with all merits from there on. And mm -hmm. from that practice standpoint, you're, 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 you're connecting a lot of dots. You know, and you're being able to see it, and you know, obviously, I'm showing it in a positive nature of what we want, and that way they're they're able to 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 take that connectivity 
bring it into their practice and and find progression and there's there's days where you know it's it's kind of funny because you know I'll, I'll say to guys you know pucks matter meaning just be a beast and, and stop everything but you know there's certain fragments in our in our schedule because we're, we're more on a, a you know a normal year here we're more on like an ahl schedule where right. there's there's these training interludes where, where you can really focus you know just simply on the craft and and those standpoints aren't aren't as they're not as important you know it's it's more about don't don't worry about eating pucks let's worry about the actual skill and progression where you're centered right now and if you get beat you get beat but that's the only way you're going to get better certainly when you're at the professional level and at the professional level you're looking to to maybe implement one or two of those things during a full season, you know, so they're, they're very small details and, you know, you want to, you want to be able to, to make them, you know, that, that five to six, 7% better that you can, and you need something to stick, you know, you're not, you're not always going to have guys that are able to, to, uh, to take, you know, tons of information, you know, so you, again, that, and that comes down to the, to the learner, you know, I, I've had a lot of experience at different levels and I have a pretty good awareness of what types of learners that I have. Yeah. Yeah. And I like, uh, you know, you, you kind of mentioned that it's, you know, and, and just because me playing pro too, you know, I, I've been called up to the ECHL and I've skated with NHL guys, you know, more than I can count. Right. You know, you, you start to realize that at the, at the professional level, the difference between like an AHL and an ECHL goalies, is the the mar- is 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 relatively slim, but the margin of error, um, you know, is is really it's this it's this it's this term of margin of error that I've started to to have a conversation with everybody, right? Because I'm saying, hey, you, you might be getting a ninety, you know, you might be playing AAA hockey right now, and your save percentage is ninety, but when you go to make that jump to the next level, do you think you're going to be able to excel or even keep up, right? And so I I, I center this idea around this idea of constantly whatever level you're at focus on reducing your margin of error in all the little parts of your games because when you get to the pro level right if you're off by like one inch you get sniped on you know inside the post by uh you know like a patrick line or something like that but that even happens in the ahl happens in the khl and the league you're in as well you have amazing shooters that if you give them even a little bit they'll take that and that's why over the course of your career i always say focus on reducing that margin of error um, what do you think about that concept, uh, you know, pertaining to kind of what you just said about how the details matter? Well, I'm, I'll, I'll take you back to my time in the ECHL was I, for the life of me right now, I'm having, I'm having a senior's moment. I can't remember the year it was, but it's probably <laughs> around eight years ago. Yeah. And that season alone, I remember there was four guys that jumped from our league directly to the National Hockey League. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, it's a goalies league. You know, I was, I was listening to, I can't remember who I was listening to yesterday. It was a a podcast, but they were, they were talking about, you know, the ECHL and it's a goalies league. Uh, There's going to be a lot of guys who who come out of that league and and get opportunity in the national hockey league because there's, there's just so few jobs in the AHL. Yeah. That, and, and it's so the, 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 
the speed and the velocity of the shots and and they're so similar between the two two levels the only difference really between the two levels and, and which you know was was very blatant was that it's tougher in the coast it's tougher in the coast because you don't have unfortunately you don't have the same hockey iq on your on your club oh yeah that you're going to have in the ahl there's a reason why those guys are in the ahl is because they make less mistakes same yes. with the national league and so it's it's a really tough league for a goalie to get numbers and results mm-hmm. for for clubs you know i'm sure they they've got to be able to to read through that and and i'm sure most do so you know that for me was you know it's it's a pretty unforgiving league as a goalie but it's also a, a great place to develop and and to find your game because it's such an unforgiving place where you know there's just two there's a lot of mistakes in front of you and you know that's why you see these success stories like the kid in chicago right now is you know it's it's not that he couldn't play in the national hockey league it's just he needed the opportunity you know and 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 that's that's everything to do with this stuff you know is is gaining the opportunity and and you know a, a a big thing there for me too is is the NHL is a forever changing place right now. And, and what I mean by that is that you're, you have, there's a lot of young goalies. I think, I think the actual number is around just under 30 who have played, I think it's 200 or less games or something crazy like that. So what, what that's telling you is the cap is, is forever changing the NHL and you're seeing less and less guys who are able to play you know, past 30 in certain roles, either they're going to move on to Europe or teams are just going to move on because it's it's a cap situation. Right. And that has everything to do with, it's no longer we're developing at the AHL level. No, the NHL has become a development league in that standpoint as well, where goalie coaches are, they're not just working on video and this and that they're, they're connecting the dots now because they, they have to, the, the game has changed. You know, look yeah. at all these young guys, the guys in Chicago are a perfect example. You know, you, you still have two very young goalies in, in Columbus. You still have, you know, like it's, it's everywhere right now. So, so you're constantly, you need results, but, but there's also a very big development standpoint to, to both of those leagues as well. You know? So. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, as I mentioned, obviously we've been talking a lot about pro hockey, but I kind of want to dive into uh, some junior hockey a little bit. Um, and as I mentioned, you started out coaching um, in the OHL for a number of years with uh, the Oshawa Generals, Owen Sound Attack, and the the Oshawa, uh, yeah, the Oshawa Generals for several years, um, and the Sudbury Wolves. Uh, but in your opinion, you know, where do you, where do you typically see goalies struggle the most when they're trying to make that transition to either like tier two or, or major junior hockey from minor hockey? That's a good question. The, the thing where, where I saw and, and, and encountered through my experiences there were, you know, there's, there's obviously the physicality nature, yeah. you know, guys, guys just, they're not there physically yet, you know, and, and as a goalie, it's a different body type to begin with, you know, it's, it's a tough league where you're going to play three games in a row and be ex- and ex- expect expected results yeah you know are, are are there and as a 16 year old you know 17 year old that's a tough bill because yeah 
because you know you really just don't have the physical nature to be able to do those back to backs you know and and certainly the the mental fatigue that goes along with that as well yeah um you know and and certainly when i when i had guys you know i can speak for just from my experience with ken appleby kenny was with us when he was 16 uh 16 17 i i've i've used the term light years before and between those years it was light years between 17 and 18 it was you know like hyperspeed you know and and the re the reason why is is just because there's so much change that happens just in six months to your body and to your to your mind yeah so you know that's where you know so getting more specific on that question is playing how much are you going to play yeah you know at 16 you know kenny was lucky because he played he was up up north in kirkland lake and he played a lot of games for that tier two team and yeah. he just let him play let him play let him play and he got better and he got better and then i would go up on trips and i would spend time with him working um you know going up going up north and and then when he came down it was the opposite you know he struggled that next season because he was such into a rhythm of playing where now okay you're not you're, you're seeing maybe every other you know 10 games or whatever it was we had daniel ulschiller who was a horse you know and he, he played all the time so that was tough that was tough for him you know and it was it was tough mentally too and the mental factor there with with the juniors was that i keep saying this it seems but i through that i wasn't yet there of understanding the the learning types I can, I can blatantly tell you that. And I think it was not until I went to Vegas, probably this season after my last year of, of junior, where I really put it all together. If I were to do that experience all over with Kenny, I would have done, and this is, this is going to sound kind of contradictory, but I don't really care. I would have, I would have done a less of why with Ken, and I would have went more gump. And I use that term all the time. And that's copyrighted to all the coaches out there. You can't use that <laughs> I, term. I, I, I copyrighted that. Yeah, that's over. I got that. So the uh, the the Gump philosophy, I would have done a lot more with Ken, where where I would have less used a lot less why and and just more reactive and and just allowing him to get more and more feel and presence in what he was doing because his mind wasn't just developed yet. And I still work with Ken, you know, he's with, uh, in the New York Islander system and, nice. and he can't get enough of why now, do you know what I mean? And be able to apply it. He's one of, one of the smartest guys that, that I work with. Yeah. But at the time his, his, his mental makeup just wasn't there yet where he couldn't handle that information. So imagine at a 16, 17 year old who's playing, it's his first game in nine nights or nine games. And then all of a sudden he's thinking about, okay, my feet need to be here. I need to be doing this. I need to, right. When, when all he needs to really be thinking about is, is, you know, stopping rubber, you know, and, and, and trying to make things as simple as possible. Um, because that's, that's the, that's the learning type that he was, you know? So, um, you know, I think, I think with a lot of these guys, that's a very difficult age because of, uh, the, the mar the, the margin for error which is very, very small, you know, with the amount of games that they're going to play and, and playing through that and having, you know, a certain toughness that you have as a, as a young goalie to help you progress. 
so that you can find those light years. And then before you know it, you're gone from 10 games a season to 25 games a season to plus, plus, plus. And then that's where the real development, you know, curves and, and, and occurs. And the other thing too is, you know, for those younger guys, learn from the people that are around you and, and, and the guys that have been through it. Uh, I, I, I say that a lot to the, to the younger juniors that we work with now because they've all been through that. They, they've all experienced that, they experienced the progression and it has everything to do with playing, it has yeah. everything to do with mistakes. And, and even here in Lugano, you know, when, when, when last year when Nick came in is – you know, Nicholas Schlegel is a he's a Zurich kid. He's he's had a lot of success here in Swiss. Um, you know, you, you you can't make somebody better, for from my standpoint as a coach, until every game we do a, we do a review after every game, right? And at the end of the season, you have 30 reviews, or you have 25 reviews, or you have 50 reviews. But that's how you're going to get better. Yeah. Because there's going to be information. There's a journey, and there's a process. Mm. So. You know, I, I think for the, for the junior guys, I think it's believing in that, understanding it, have maturity that those around you don't, and, and you'll always be able to move forward. Yeah. Yeah. And then I guess moving on to, uh, to pro hockey, you know, um, but as I mentioned in the intro, you, you've just had a, an opportunity to coach them, uh, in some of the best pro leagues in the world. It's, it's really cool, man. But regardless of level, um, you know, where do you typically see goalies struggle the most when they're they're trying to make that transition to to professional hockey versus uh, junior? Well, a couple of things. I mean, you know, you're going back to 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 an experience with with Travis because he was kind of at that that opening phase. I I, I think a lot of the stuff was just, you know, his reads. You know, he needed to trust his reads and 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 get to certain spots. In, in his case, you know, he tried to be over aggressive and not trust his instincts and, and, and not, um, you know, I, I, I always found that that Trav was, was drifting in place. So a big thing that we did with him was getting your spots, being static and being able to read the play, you know, you're just going to be that much better. And, and once he, once he grasped that, you know, he did extremely well. And the other thing too, is if you're at that, standpoint in your career where you're reaching the pro level you're probably a very good tracker okay you're not getting to that level if you're not a decent tracker so trusting those instincts are very important and and having and implementing a system that works for you and and finding that middle with you know whoever is coaching you i think that's those are very key key pieces to to the puzzle and and then just going and play, you know, and 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 being able to be in those scenarios, win, lose, or tie, you know, and and you know that's how you get better. Yeah, yeah, and you mentioned uh, you know reading and and getting your feet set. This there's been a number of uh, of coaches we brought on at the next level that have constantly said that that reading the play, kind of knowing where you're going before the puck even gets there, and then being able to get your feet set. Were, were some of the most important things. So why do you think that that those are two very important things? Why do you think that's such a reoccurring theme amongst uh, professional goalie coaches? Well, for sure, there's just the biomechanic issues that come from it. If, if I'm set and static and I beat the play, 
I, I'm not dealing with drift. And when I'm dealing with drift, there's there's two major components to that, which I, I really don't like, is that when you have drift, you have forward momentum and just biomechanically, it's extremely difficult to make a reactive save selection. Two is that even if you do make that save, you're, you're creating force. And with force comes rebounds and you're just pressing off pucks off your body. So even though that you gain a certain depth and that you took away a certain angle, you're putting yourself into a very, very uh, high risk situation following and, and you're very likely and subject to give off a rebound. So again, it, it's, it's, being able to trust and understand what are your markings. That's a term I use a lot with my guys is where are your markings? So that is inside of your key. Where are those, those points that you need to execute and get to? It's not the same for everybody. Right. There's a different formula for everybody that I work with, but it really depends on your size, depends on your frame, depends on your reactive ability. There's all these components that, and, and pieces that you have to factor in for each guy. That's why, you know, you're, you're working with individuals. You're not just working with a, you know, a, a factory line here, you know yeah. what I mean? And, and one yeah. size fits all. So it really doesn't. So for me, those are the, the biggest uh, two components to, to being static and still and, and being in place, you know, and, and again, just trusting your, trusting your, uh, your abilities is, is a big thing, but until you understand your own system and, and you are executing in those markings, you, you you have you have ways to go yeah yeah absolutely i liked how you mentioned this idea of drift um maybe you can just detail to everybody what what drift is like what the definition of that is and how exactly like you work with your guys to eliminate that in their game so drift is just you know if, if you're being a pass a two-on-one and and you make you make a good cut and you get there as opposed to setting your feet and being static and still and, and giving yourself uh, various factors for your, what could turn into the, not only the secondary, but the, the third play, which could come out of that. You're, you're, you're allowing yourself to, to become static, read the play a little more, but when you drift and your feet are moving, you, you've told everyone in the building what you're doing. You know, and, and it's shooters, like, I can't tell you how much we watch video here, you know, with, with our club of, of mm -hmm. other goalies and yeah. what they're doing. And, and the shooters are, are, are asking more and more questions about guys and they want to know these things. So when you see drift, uh, we're, we're going to expose that every chance we can get. And so I'm yeah. not the only guy doing this clearly, yeah. but you know, I, I think, you know, when, when you're putting yourself in those spots, you're, you're making it too easy on, on the competition, in my opinion. And, yeah. you know, that's why it is, it's so important to get static is because again, you're in a position where you're able to read off the rush, you've beaten the play. Hopefully you have good perimeter hold, which is just in your feet and your frame is on top and, and your, your body on puck and, and you have options, you know, moving across and, and being in the right lanes. Yeah, maybe you, uh, we, we, you know, we kind of, I know in the beginning when we asked about your philosophy, we kind of, uh, you know, we got into a little bit kind of style of it. So I'm going to dive a little deeper into some of these technical concepts because, uh, you know, people love this, what we would call hacks, um, you know, perimeter holds, maybe you can just detail to everybody what exactly that is in your books. Yeah. Per perimeter hold is, 
I mean, it's been a big part of what I what I do for a very long time, but um, it's it's really just I find for me is that guys make better decisions when they have perimeter feet. So your your feet are shoulder width apart, mm. uh, whether it's outside of the perim. And, so you're saying more neutral for kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. You know, okay. and and even you know like the Elvis thing. Like Elvis was when the play was outside, when it was inside, he was just wide, right? Before I started working. So, you know, when you have perimeter feet, let's just stay with the concept of when it's outside. Yeah. When the play is perimeter like that and I have perimeter feet, my body is calmer. I'm able to read the play better. And what, what certainly when, you know, I, I think it was 27, 28, when I started working with Tom in, in Russia was, you know, a big thing I learned from Tom is, you know, he, he had experience, you know, kind of, kind of all over and working with, you know, different, different coaches prior to me. And, and, and a big thing that he was always adamant about was, you know, in his time in, with, with Finnish, uh, like systems was how much they factor in, um, breathing and the, the decision-making that you'll be able to, to, to have as, as a, as a, as a positive inside of your game. When, when you're in a perimeter feet stance and the play is outside and, and that is where you need to be sending oxygen into your, into your body and into your brain so that you are making better decisions. If I'm creating more strain that way with a wider stance, okay. Like you're, 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 you're working against it, you know, and, and I always say this to, to all our, all my guys, you know, and it's not my line. I, I, this is not copyrighted. So, um, <laughs> but it's, it's from a movie. And one of my favorite movies is, you know, is uh, you know, Days of Thunder where, where Harry, the, the mechanic always says, you know, tires win races. And that is so true with, you know, what we're, what you're dealing with in, in, you know, that whole mindset of, you know, holds is that, you know, when you have that perimeter, perimeter stance, you're just creating those, those subtle yet massive advantages for your game and for where you're going to be at the end of 60 minutes. So I, there's those little pieces as well. It's not just a technical thing, just because you want to look cool. It is everything to do with what you're, what you're doing for the car and your yeah. car and your tires need to finish races in order for you to win. So there's those little things at the same time, you know, when the play does break, you know, it's, the guys who, who are a little more patient and they can hold their feet a little bit better, their frame is, is still bigger in a lane that way. And the, the guys who are able to, to make safe selections from there and be able to snap and to be able to steal lanes from that hold, um, they just have, they have advantages. They have edges that other guys don't who necessarily need to get wider and, and nastier. And I get it, yeah. not, not everybody's the same. You know, yeah. but for me, finding a middle with, with our guys is always a big thing because yeah, you want your frame to be a big factor in those high scoring areas as well. Yeah. Yeah. And this is kind of a concept that, uh, you hear a lot more now is, is framing the net. How do you frame the net? Um, so how do you kind of explain that to your guys and, and, uh, implementing this, uh, this perimeter hold with, and then integrating that with framing the net properly in, in some of those high percentage areas, like you said as well transitioning, I guess, from a perimeter hold into a more, uh, 
you know, because as as the guy gets in the house, you probably want to be in a more crouch. So how do you how do you kind of walk that line a bit of um, and when do you detail to your guys when they should be making that transition from a perimeter hold position to a more uh, active and like ready position, if that makes sense? Yeah, I want to be really clear with your audience. I, I'm not saying that we want to keep the same hold. Like yeah, if you're yeah, looking yeah. at the the width, the yeah. width isn't the same. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're finding a transition. There is, there's, if just look at it from a one and two. A one is this is perimeter and the play is perimeter. And then when the play breaks, you know, we're, we're talking about a few inches in, yeah. in the difference. Your but you're, you're finding that that piece that makes sense to you yeah, and yeah, yeah. there's a transition of, of identifying and, and understand being able to, to get that feeling of where those feet are, where the feet are from perimeter and then where the feet are from, from when it breaks hmm. and getting away from that extreme of being wide. I think that's more of what I'm talking about just to be, you know, really elementary, but you know, to, to a point, yeah. um, a lot of that just has to do with, you know, I use a lot of med balls. I use all kinds of different things like that where guys aren't really getting shots, but they're, they're, they're using that, that weight transfer to really feel what it is the hell I'm talking about and, and gaining the confidence inside of that, filming that, being able to look at that, you know, further as you go so that, you know, the, the visual is there, the feeling is there. And, you know, that's, that's really how you're, you're progressive in those areas. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I also mentioned, uh, two Spangler cup wins with uh, team can as well. Um, and I know you were listed as the video coach, but I know you, you, you probably work with the goaltenders as well, but, um, you know, we can, maybe we can talk about, uh, game time anxiety. And like, as you mentioned, you went to the, the finals, uh, with, uh, with Elvis Merzlikens there in, in, uh, in, in the Swiss league. Um, but you know, in championship games or, or tournaments or big games, you know, everyone kind of gets that, that kind of game time anxiety, but you know, how can people deal with that and, and manage game time anxiety, like a pro, like, how do you talk to your own guys, how to manage that stuff? I think at our level, it's a bit different because when it comes to, I can only speak for myself. Yeah. Okay. And, and I think, I think as a coach, your approach, your leadership leads into your players. Mm. For me, when we lost game seven, one nothing. Yeah. The way we did, we had a pretty Cinderella kind of story. And we were down in that series 3-1 and we, we stormed back and we lost that game seven at home, one nothing in Lugano. A week later, the functions were still the same. Meaning my job from there was, okay, where do I go now with, with Daniel and with Elvis? And what are our, our summer plan and our seasonal plan? And where, what are we doing? How are these guys getting better? So leading into, you know, all those situations is that the functions that you're doing in the day, which make you successful, those are the things you control, you know? And, and the correlation between the, the point is that as a, as a goalie, it's a really hard situation. Elvis had a, a phenomenal series. He had a, a phenomenal season. You know what I mean? He won the, uh, you know, the, the Jacques Plan Award here in Switzerland that year. And, you know, you, nothing's going to take that away from him. Uh, the reality is, though, is that, you know, this is a team game. You, yeah. 
it's not all based on just personal performance, you know, and personal performance will only take things so far. Mm. So something that we discussed a lot, which took away from his anxiety, you know what I mean? Because everybody, hey, anybody who plays this game, they're all human. They all have anxieties. They all have things they want to gain and things they don't want to lose. Yes. It's that, that's simple, right? Yep. Okay. But when we're having discussions with Elvis was these functions and, and the conversations that we would have during coffee was these functions that you do in your daily routine, they are going to allow you to put yourself into a, into a standpoint and a piece where the club and, and, and your teammates, if everyone is, is, is connected, there's going to be a really good opportunity that we push through that finish line and we get to where we want to be. But unfortunately, there's just so many elements inside of this team game that that's not always the way it works. Yeah. It's not. Absolutely. And there's a big... There's, it's almost like a, a breathing moment that comes from that because you realize is that if you're that dialed into your personal performance and what you're bringing to your hockey club, you will find success regardless. And, yeah. and there will be good things that, and good fruits that come from that. However, the, the reality of that whole thing is that you have to see the functions which make you successful. Mm -hmm. Dial in the functions that make you successful yeah. and and if you're conducive and you do it together then you, you push through that barrier and, and and you win championships and that's how mm -hmm. winning is done mm -hmm. because everyone needs to be dialed in together and do their functions for it to be you know a, a championship caliber club yeah i think that is the the biggest thing i learned you know through hockey canada stuff um you know it's it's i i learned it through junior you know i i had you know, really great opportunities to work with very special people, you know, from, you know, Mike Foligno, who is, he's just the ultimate leader, DJ Smith, you know, in Oshawa, I work with DJ and, and Jeff Tui, you know, very, very hard, you know, to the point, this is how winning is done. Um, you know, I, I've been, I've been blessed in that sense of, of the leadership, which has been around me. And, and, you know, at, at those standpoints, you know, I was pretty green. Right. And, and even as when you're green, all of a sudden that the green starts disappearing on your body, you know, and, and it's done from, from the people that surround you and, yeah. and are you a fly on the wall? And, and they might look at you and think, geez, this guy's never going to get it. But you know, if you're, if you're a fly on the wall and, and, and you're, you're hard enough on your self-assessment, you'll get there. You'll get there as a player, you get there as a coach, you know, yeah. but it, it's, it's those, it's those environments that, that will make you better you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, I, I think that, uh, you know, you absolutely hit it, hit the nail on the head. I've had a, an opportunity to compete in, in several championships, um, league championships. And I would say that, that, that really was, you know, the biggest thing for me and, and a lot of guys I talk to is just, you know, you talk about, uh, your functions, which is, you know, we're essentially talking about our routines. What kind of modalities are you doing that make you, you, right? What are those drills that, that make you, you when the weekend comes around, right? And that kind of, it leads off well into my next question. Cause I kind of wanted to dive into your, your weekly routines and, and your ice sessions a bit and how you structure them. Because, um, a lot of that consistency, a lot of that confidence can, is it comes from preparation, right? You do all the work beforehand, you know, when you show up to take the test, if you study for the test, you're probably going to feel a lot better than if you didn't study for the test, right? 
I, I, that's actually not my example. Somebody said that to me. It was, uh, and I was like, that's, that's a really good analogy. So maybe you can just start off by detailing your weekly routines with your goaltenders, um, you know, and how you get them ready leading up to game day, uh, the following weekend. Sure. I, I think the, so I'll give you one of my functions and you're going to think I'm just nuts and you're going to hang up and you're like, geez, this guy, but one of one of my first functions, <laughs> honest to God, is when I get to the rink, it's just changing into my gish. So that's shorts, hoodie, and sandals, because that is function number one. It's like when I wake up in the morning, everything, I, the first thing I do is I make my bed. You know what I mean? And that's, that is, yeah. that's literally function one. You know what I mean? The next one that is yeah. my mental, my big mental uh, piece there is, is getting into my gitch. And then it leads to video and then yeah. it leads to your, your prep for video, um, depending on obviously how, where we are in, in the schedule. If it's a Monday, you know, sometimes we, we play on Tuesday. So it's, it's usually a, a situation where you're, you're preparing one. We have a, we have a, a dynamic duel here. It sounds like Batman or something, you know, but we have two guys who can really play. <laughs> You know, and, and they're exceptional goalies, so we're very fortunate uh, to have both of these guys. Nice. But you're you're preparing one to play the following day, uh, so we'll do video usually, so that's fresh going in, and then we'll we'll skate and work on more finer details for for that individual right then and there. Uh, but the great thing there is as well as I'll do a little extra with the other guy following practice because you can you can get a little more. A little more biomechanical you can work on on certain things that you know yeah. uh, you know in, in heavy induced situations where you have a starter like like elvis or you know a, a tom loss in my in, in my russian days you know you, you just don't have that time all the time because you, your rest is obviously a big a big piece as well so you're you're trying to you know yeah. find the right you know ingredients there but with the duo you know it's been different because you, you can take the time to work on those biomechanics, which makes the guys successful. And, and there's always that, you know, fresh element. So as, as one is playing, there's one in the oven too, you know, so it's, yeah, we're pretty yeah, fort fortunate in that sense. Um, and, yeah. you know, just preparing them with, with afterwards, with, with the video, um, the guy who's not playing, he gets a little more, you know, some pieces with, you know, more of like an iPad kind of experience where they're getting to see the, you know the, the the details on on from practice standpoints and then you know it's it's also keeping your guys in, engaged you know i speak to my my backup the guy whoever's not playing i speak to them more than the other guy for sure because I, I usually leave our, yeah. our starter alone um but i i'm i'm trying to dial yeah, him in I'm, right. I'm trying to dial him into you know the what is he communicating to to our players about our pre-scout what we're trying to do you know, to the other, to the other club and to the other goalie specifically, you know, where, you know, you're, you're keeping everybody engaged. That's, that's, that's a big thing, you know? So those are little things, yeah. you know, but they're, they all, they all lead to functions and, and, and the functions that, that you control. And, um, you know, that's a, that's a big part of what we do. Yeah. And then obviously, uh, you know, you, you, you've spoken a lot about video, and um, I know at the minor hockey level, there isn't much going on, but I feel like that uh, it's starting to trickle down a lot more and people are kind of cluing into that. Hey, that's a, it's a good tool to use to kind of see yourself from that bird's eye view. So 
Um, maybe you can just kind of dive in. I, I, obviously, I know you did a lot of uh, great video work uh, with Team Canada there, but maybe you can dive into, you know, uh, you mentioned earlier in the conversation about how you watch video and you know what you're going to kind of do and you're looking at things before you go out there. So maybe you can detail that, what that kind of looks like prior to practice, what you're looking at, what you're taking, and then how you're taking it to the ice. Um, and then even like a post-game video or something like that, how are you breaking that stuff down so everybody can kind of uh, get inside your head a bit with that process? Yeah, so from, from you know, what we do here, it's, it's, it's everything to do with the structure that you create for the players, you know, and, and so if it's a video review, like we played last night, you know, our, our review, my review for Sandro is going to be, we're going to look at everything off the rush, you know, and, and keeping to themes and, and being as structured as possible so that they know what they're looking at and they're getting, they're getting examples, you know, from themes as opposed to just bouncing all over the place and, yeah. and you're showing them different clips. Like that's, that's not how the mind, the mind works. So you need to be very structured what you're showing them and you know, the positive and negatives normally I'll generate a few negative clips off the rush if there's one or two. And then, you know, we'll hopefully there's, there's a few clips which are there from the positive standpoint of the things that we're trying to execute. I think, you know, that's, that's a, you know, a, a daily thing that we're, we're, we're doing inside of the video There'll be a few technical components I call biomechanical things, you know, so each and every guy have their, their strengths, they have their weaknesses, but, you know, it, instead of going back to something when things get bad, I, 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 I do the opposite. I try to stay on those biomechanics um, in, in every single review that we do because, yeah. you know, it keeps guys on point. And then there'll be systematic things. So things inside of your zone, things inside of your system, you know, that, that you're looking at, you know, where are we at our meeting points, which we earlier discussed, you know, were they off? Yeah. I mean, those things aren't hard to see, you know, it sounds crazy, but it's, it's not you, they know once they see it, they're like, yeah, I was yeah. off there. And we're talking about like inches, man, you know, and, and they know if they got to their marks or not, and they, they know if they created that advantage or not, you know, so those systematic things, we, we have a very zone system. Um, and it depends if it's, if it's a power play situation or if it's five on five, then what are your marks? But, you know, those are, those are things that we're looking at and, and we're, we're diving into as far as, you know, the, the rush, the biomechanics, the system itself. And, you know, that's kind of how you create yeah. that consistency, you know, so from that and then more on a practice standpoint, you know, you, there's, there's obviously you can yeah. cover all those elements as well. You know, you can cover the, the biomechanics through through just a simple iPad with your guys that you're working with. You know, if you're a minor hockey coach or or if you're just a kid, you know, who's you're 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 all on your own. You know, those are things that you can look at as well. Um, you know, and and obviously the you know if you're playing zones and you're playing systems, those are also, you know, really easy to track through through video that you get just with a just with a yeah you know, your regular pod stand and 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 being able to you know, create that visual. Yeah, uh, I, I, I think just uh, the reason I ask is because I think there's a big disconnect between when you do that video versus when you get to the ice and actually being able to apply the things that you saw like that. Um, and, and I noticed that from just even a kid standpoint, where it's like, oh, we're doing video. And then, you know, but it's it's that application of feeling it. You see it. Yeah, you see it. But then you get to the ice and you have to feel it out. So is it usually like, 
um, you know, from the video, you say, oh, we needed to work on this and then you'll implement a drill. And then it's one of those where uh, you're not too worried about the pucks that go in kind of thing. Like, how do you how do you apply those concepts, I guess, more effectively for everybody listening, I guess, is, uh, is what I'm asking. Yeah, I, again, you know, even going back to camp stuff, you know, in summers, you know, with with the goalie school, we we do everything before we go on the ice. You know, yeah. and, and we've been doing that for years, you know, ask anybody who's come to our school. And, and I think the, the, the big thing that those guys really enjoy from that is that they're able to see themselves and put themselves in that mental place of what are the components that they're trying to focus on? Because, you know, the, especially in the summer, especially when you're training in the summer. Sure. So well, let's look at it from two standpoints, from, from a summer standpoint, um, you know, I know when, when we're doing stuff with pro goaltending, the, the stuff that they're focused on is so detailed within themselves that, yes, there's that will to compete in all those things. But when a guy like Elvis is at pro goaltending, he's, he's more thinking about, you know, where right. is he are, where is frame are, is he visually tracking, is he in the right lane, is he in the right spot, did he get to the right meeting point? Those are all the things that he's thinking about. And that takes tremendous yeah. maturity to get to For that sure. point as a goalie. During a season, there's, there's more urgency about, am I stopping pucks? Let's be honest, because yeah. that's really just what you get graded on. But at the same time, if you're, if we're skating on a, you know, if we are skating on a, on a Monday and we don't have a game until Thursday, then, you know, right. I'm not going to eat your lunch for that. And I'm going to be very clear when we go before we go on the ice and we're looking at video is that this is what we want to achieve. We want to find these spots. You know, you've got to have your, 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 your beliefs before, you know, and, and what you're doing so that they gain confidence from that. And they're able to, to find yeah. that, that comfort as well. And, and sometimes, yes, you, you can't always have that let's eat pucks mentality or, you know, that statement yeah. I said earlier, you know, pucks matter, you know, maybe that's, maybe that's a conversation that I like to use that a bit as a cue on a Thursday before a game or a Wednesday before a game. It really just depends on the schedule of getting back to that. Okay. Pucks matter. You know what I mean? And it's kind of like, that's how you reel them back in. And there's that, that, that focus of this is where, you know, my, my attentions need to be, because if you do the work, it's like the, the line you said about, you know, you're going to be, if you, if you've studied, yeah you're going to be able to write that test, right? And, and that is exactly how we, we dial back, you know, and, and taking it even a bit, bit further is that, you know, sometimes here in, in, during the season with Lugano, you know, we have, we have a few goalies in our system, you know, um, and, and we'll allow, you know, the, the younger guys to, to skate with us because maybe on a, on a Monday I want to take Nick yeah. aside and, and just work with Nick you know, and, and get 30 minutes yeah. and maybe keep him off the ice, you know, and, and, and be that detailed where, where I can bring him back, where he's just worried about his feet, you yeah. know, and if, if that's the issue, or if he's worried about his frame or he's worried about his tracking, whatever that little detail that you're focusing on. Yeah. Yeah. That's how you wrote. No, I love that, man. And, and maybe finally you can just, uh, we always, you shared some good stuff here, but we always end off with, uh, the, your best hack. So something that you've implemented with your goaltenders, that's, you know, allowed them to, to find success much quicker, like whether it be a drill or a concept or something like that, that you notice whenever you show somebody that they, they, uh, they seem to find, uh, you know, some success with that concept. 
Sure. Yeah. I'll go a different route. Okay. Just, just because of kind, yeah. kind of where we are okay. today with the pandemic. Okay. And, and this is a mental hack. And I hope, I hope the younger guys take something from this is that I hope my hope is that guys are going to be able to see through the nonsense. Guys are going to be able to see now for your typical 15, 16 year olds goalie that's in there. They're coming into their OHL draft year, their Western draft year, their two draft year, wherever you're playing. Okay. Because I see so many kids after the OHL draft or the CHL draft. I'm just using that as an example. Yeah. Okay. It happens all over the place, all over the world for many different leagues. Mm. Kids quit hockey. And that drives me bananas because I know too many goalies who are playing in the NHL who didn't have your typical story. Saying that not everyone makes it to the NHL. The curtains close for everyone. And I would love for kids to be able to see through the nonsense is that play. Just play because you love it. And I think if younger kids are sitting here at home and they're listening to this, I think hopefully some of this resonates with them of just how much they miss the game. Here, we're professionals in Switzerland. We're very blessed and fortunate to be able to do something that we love every day. And we get to go with all this stuff that's happening in the world. I hope that some of these kids are going to be able to see through it. And if they're, they don't hear their name called at 16, they're not going to quit hockey. They're going to keep playing because it's something that they're passionate about. It's something that yeah. they love to do. And you never know where that may lead. Maybe it's going to be, you know, the, 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 the things that you grab and are instilled and the values that you have from being a hockey yeah. coach or sorry, from being a goalie and those disciplines that you have. I can't tell you how proud I am of some of the players I've worked with who are now, we have lawyers, we have doctors, we have everything, you know, we have, we have a guy who's in film, you know what I mean? They're, I'm so proud of these people because those disciplines were learned inside of this game. Don't, don't overvalue that. Okay. And, 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 and see through it, you know, and, and play because you love it. You know what I mean? Not because of the tracksuit you're wearing. And that's what I hope. And I hope that kids are, are, are gaining more maturity from, from this terrible, you know, situation that we've all had to endure through the pandemic, but there's a little piece of maturity that comes from your, maybe from a, a 15, a 16 yeah. year old that maybe wasn't there. And they're going to be able to, to get through those things and, and play because they, they love this game and there's just too many fruits. Yeah. Well, I, so I uh, couldn't have said it better myself. Thanks coach Michael for, uh, for coming on. I, uh, I know everyone always loves to, to hear just what it truly takes to make that jump to the next level, but um, I know your advice at the end there just gonna hopefully resonate with a lot of people that hey just you know just keep going you know I, I remember um, when I was making my transition to junior hockey back in 2012-13 uh, you know I was in the USHL and then because that was the lockout year you had a uh, I was like slated to make the team had an amazing camp and then a, a guy came down from the OHL who was drafted by Chicago and he was supposed to go play in Europe but all the guys went to Europe so he came down so I could have pouted, but, um, you know, I decided to just keep moving on just because I love the game so much. And it just uh, it led to amazing opportunity. And that year we went all the way to the RBC Cup. Right. So you're you're you never know when you're you're an inch away from from doing great things. And for everybody out there listening, 
you know, uh, it, this is a challenging time for everybody and, and the people who kind of stay tough and, and see it through are going to come out on the other side a lot better. So um, can you just let my audience know where they can get in touch with you online? Uh, yeah. So anyone can get a hold of me through pro goaltending through the Instagram accounts. Uh, they can send me an email at ml at progoaltending.com. And, um, you know, we'll get back to you as soon as possible. Yeah, we'll go check out Coach Michael Lawrence with HG Lugano and all the links will be listed in the show notes for anyone that wants to go check him out as well as his team. And, uh, you know, he's had tons of success coaching goalies at the highest level of hockey for over 15 years now. And I know him and his guys uh, have a, a bright future ahead of them. But maybe somewhere down the road, we'll have you back on the show, man, if that's something that interests you. Oh, that'd be great. Well, cheers, buddy. I'm grateful for you coming on. Good luck as uh, you guys roll into the playoffs soon here. Take care, stay safe, and we'll chat soon, man. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode, guys. If you like what you heard today, make sure to hit that subscribe button as we have tons of amazing guests lined up already to come on to the show in the next few months. And make sure to tune in next week and every Tuesday from now on at 8 a.m. As next week, I have a bit of a pivot from our recent interviews. Uh, but rest assured, this is nothing different than the high-quality stuff we've been putting out. I had my old junior coach, Matt Earhart, coming on the podcast. And Matt is easily the best coach I ever had. And we went all the way to the RBC Cup together and made memories that will last a lifetime. And next week, him and I are going to relive together what was arguably one of the best seasons of my career. And, and Matt is the only coach to win the BCHL as a player and as a coach. And he's won a national championship with Quinnipiac as well. So uh, the guy just has so much knowledge and experience of, of winning at the next level. Obviously, I know him well, and he's been a huge part uh, of my story and, uh, you know, uh, helping me build my legacy. And I know you guys aren't going to want to miss this one. So make sure to tune back next week. Without further ado, here are the giveaway details for our monthly giveaway we do for the Goalie Hacks podcast. And just as a note here, if you enter into this giveaway, even if you don't win, uh, we select four winners a month, and, and that includes books, uh, different products, training products, uh, neuro tracker subscriptions. We give away all sorts of things. We pick four people a month. And even if you don't win uh, one month, you're always entered into uh, the, the, future, the future giveaway. So to enter the giveaway... If you're an Apple user, simply go to the Apple Podcast app on your phone and leave us a written review and rating. And if you're an Android user, you can also download iTunes onto your computer and leave a review and rating on there as well. And once you leave a review of the podcast, just take a screenshot of it and either email it to goaliehacks at gmail.com or DM me on Instagram with your screenshot and your full name. Get excited, guys. Great things ahead. I hope you guys enjoyed today's show, and I'll see you next week.